0: Mm-hmm. Is miracles mm-hmm. subliminal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Hello John, it was a pleasure speaking with you last night As we discussed, you reaching out to me is 100% confidential And attorney-client privileged On a lighter note, I took a poll in regards to what someone's mom liking your Instagram picture means 100% of voters said that if mom likes your photo That it's a sign of approval which is certainly the way that I took it. So according to this, your mother approves of me, which is pretty adorable. As far as your sister goes, she was talking to me about everyone in her inner circle, and it was clear that she wanted my candies from the beginning. This made the seven dwarves very jealous. I mentioned nothing about liking your sister, but then had people rushing at me by the threes, saying that they heard all about me. She also got obsessed with some original material, I could pose, which didn't make the city, or, which didn't make the Seven Dwarves feel any better. Whatever your sister's in, it's not working out, and we're not getting any younger. I'll be good to Snow White. I want you and your mom to know this much: I'm also not a wimp and can protect her from a giant bear if needed. Hope she puts on her big girl panties soon. It doesn't get any sweeter than this. We are live. JW Mega Wake Show. I am your host, The Candyman. And today, you're in for a special edition of JW Mega Wake World. Got some really exciting events coming up. Um, art events Uh, last night yeah welcome to the show (laughs) yeah so we're going to be talking about some some local art um, scenes so last night I was actually at this uh, this art show in uh, the Castro um, the Art Attack art show it was really fun I have some uh, pictures up on uh, Instagram so it's a lot of this uh, really fun underground um art activities happening here in uh, San Francisco. Um, Also, um, there's a band, a local band called Sunk, that just came out with a new uh, record uh, called Strip, which is uh, really fun. I actually seen this performed at an open mic a couple weeks back, and it was very burlesque. It was very fun. I see it was very uh, well-rounded, so. I am taking calls here at 805-869-8210, again, it was 805-869-8210, if anyone wants to come in and uh, make a call, and uh, we could talk about some local fun. Uh, So this is um, a song, it's called Drones, and here we are. A local band, a Sunk, uh, out of San Francisco. You can find them their latest album on SoundCloud, Spotify, everywhere you could find music. Um, next, I um, there's I actually saw this. Was it was a Doer, the name of the uh, the band, another local band here. I Actually saw them play at uh, Cafe Du Nord last week. It was a great show. They played with King Willow and uh, Cafe Du Nord. If you haven't been there, gosh, it's been years since I've been back there. They really, uh, it's really nice. It's got a nice ambiance to it. And um, we are going to have a special guest um, on after this uh, next song uh, by Doer. This is a song that's called Serenity. Again, I was taking calls here at 805-869-8210. It was 805-869-8210. This is the band Doer, and this is a song called Serenity. And they actually got to meet the... Uh, guy who made the music video too. It was pretty freaking cool. You should check him out. Dewr. It's spelled D-E-W-R.
2: I want to live be-
1: That was Doer. Gosh, I love that song. It's addicting, especially uh, if you see the music video. Um, all right. Yeah, so we have a special guest I want to welcome to the show. Trump Rabies. Hi. Yes, Trump Rabies. I remember the first time I met you. When was that? Gosh, I think it was in March of 2018.
3: Was it that recently? Because I think I've seen you perform as long ago as twenty seventeen. It all blurs together after five years of the scene, but
1: yeah, I um, I got really heavy more into the um, open mic scene in March of two thousand eighteen. I maybe uh, went into uh, did a did a show or did a song in an open mic with a band I was in in two thousand sixteen or two thousand seventeen. Where It was more like just kind of a one off. You know, being a full band and on an open mic could be a pain in the ass. Yeah, totally.
3: Especially if you're just coming in for less than 10 minutes of stage time. It's like almost as much or more breakdown time, never mind setup time. So uh, I can understand why a lot of musicians who are trying to be professional don't see the utility of the mics. But I think. if you consider them an opportunity to practice, whether it's performance practice or, for me, really spiritual practice, uh, they become a rather unique opportunity to get in there and to do the discipline of dialing up and dialing down into your creative space.
1: Yeah, no, I could see that. I mean, gosh, I'm glad you know, not being a drummer. <laughs> gosh, I feel like oh, a, well. being a just a guitar uh, singer songwriter, being able to bring your guitar around it's pretty easy if you, you know if you played piano or you know i was gonna so how i was gonna ask you i know that i realize you know when you're out in an open mic or you're out in a venue and there's all this action happening around you and if you talk to somebody when someone's performing it's almost kind of like what's the right word you know so it's cool to have you on the show because i get to kind of I you mean, know the listeners get to hear kind of you and what your what your story is
3: and so, not filtered through persona
1: yeah wow. i mean the the first, the first thing I think that many folks would um, like to, to know, at least me, is how did you come up with the name Trump Rabies? <laughs>
3: uh, it literally was uh, a paraphrase of one of the lines from the first poem I wrote since high school. Uh, in January of 2016, I wrote the piece eventually titled Trump Rabies. Uh, which was the first poem I had written and completed in 30 years. Uh, A line in it, I'm running crazy in the streets with Trump political rabies, is where the name came from, for both the title of the piece and ultimately the name of my act, Trump Rabies. And obviously it works. The people who hear the name are pretty provoked and triggered just from hearing it. And uh, when they see my set, they often remember the name of my act, which is... Kind of a victory because people have trouble remembering anything from an open mic experience.
1: That is definitely a very memorable name. And, I mean, in San Francisco, I feel like (laughs) it's a pretty big fan. So I don't know if I mentioned you um, or mentioned anyone out there listening. um, I was, you know, I wanted to watch the Super Bowl um, because (laughs) I wanted to see, you know, J-Lo and Shakira on halftime, really. Um, it was a good show. It was it was a great show, but it was funny because before the the Super Bowl, uh, there was this ad. And I don't know if anyone uh, was watching the Super Bowl. I'm sure a lot of people out there watching the Super Bowl. There's an ad. Um, for a Trump-Pence uh, <laughs> campaign <laughs> and every person in the bar, yes. I mean, it was like the loudest yes. boo you ever heard. It was yes. like, boo! Yes. It was like yes. The yes. Whole, I mean, like the, the whole building shook because yes. everyone
3: was booing so loud. But in some places there would have been cheers and applause. And in some places in America, I'm sure there were cheers and applause throughout the room to that ad. Perhaps most places, it's a little bit of a scary moment politically.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I try not to go too too political.
3: Um, You brought up that ad during the Super Bowl. Where were you going with it?
1: (laughs) I think it's, oh, I don't know. I just, uh, I feel like in San Francisco, you could do anything and be anything you want, except for a Donald Trump supporter.
3: (laughs) When I first did this piece, I created a Facebook page and YouTube channel called Supervillains of San Francisco. And the idea was to spoof Humans of New York and go around and ask people what their inner supervillain was. And I was creating a seat for this piece, Trump Rabies, uh, because the Trump supporter is ultimately a supervillain in San Francisco, certainly in 2016. Maybe in 2020 even more dangerous, because uh, as we've seen this week, uh, notions of right and wrong are really being turned upside down globally in America. And unfortunately, even in the Bay Area, a lot of weird stuff is happening. So, uh, talking about in performance, quite uh, honestly, is often penalized. Uh, People want upbeat stuff. They want cheerful stuff. They don't want to talk about the downer. They don't want to hear performances about the downer. So, ultimately, even though you have the permission, that doesn't mean you have a bubble of protection from the consequences of your choices of what to speak about freely. People, for instance, last night, voted with their feet as my set came up in Bizarre Cafe. The place pretty much cleared out. And I think people just weren't ready to deal with whatever they were afraid I was going to say. Last week was such a heavy, heavy uh, about the Wuhan flu and the panic being more dangerous than the flu itself. Um, it was tough to experience that last night as a performer. And, you know, people talk about freedom there's never any freedom from consequences. There's freedom from government interference in specific actions, supposedly, but who enforces that guarantees in a time when law only serves capital, only serves wealth? Um, it's, it's kind of an interesting moment because I, I've found San Francisco to be so much more of a marketing campaign ad in many aspects, including the open mic scene, than a reality of what many people hope to find when they come, whether it's to an open mic, or to SFO, or to the Rose Park. San Francisco has been great at reinventing its image of itself for tourists, I think, for a very long time. And that idea of being whatever you want to be, it's certainly more risky to do that here now than it's been in my previous decades of visits here. There was a lot more room to be different 10 years ago, tremendously more room to be different 20 years ago. Now there's a lot more pressure to conform in all aspects of San Francisco. I don't know how different it is from the open mic scene. I've had pressure from people who own open mic venues to do positive work in the past. That's kind of tough to say, but the reality is people often prefer the light, pleasant experience.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's all, I feel like it's all in a matter of an opinion. Sure. You know, maybe, sure. you know, someone's creating this piece of artwork that they're just tortured, their tortured soul, and they're creating this piece of art that makes people happy. And maybe there's <laughs> some, you know, like, it's just a matter of, I mean, no two people, what I've seen is like, whether, you know, what kind of art it is, whether it's a painting or it's a poem or it's a song that, People have different, a different feeling when they when they see it or they hear it, and it's no matter what. And I feel like it, you don't even need to be an artist. It's like no matter what you do, there's always going to be someone that doesn't like what you do. And I feel like there's somebody out there that likes it. You know, um,
3: it's a difficult moment for me creatively to really have this conversation with myself right before I'm performing and during my performance because right now. Um, I'm really kind of committed to performing in deeper and deeper levels of trance or altered consciousness. The nuts and bolts of that is it's not this conscious mind that's speaking into your microphone making the performance choices. At every level, I am usually improving from the moment I perform now. So it's really tough to say, okay, I want to go and improv an upbeat performance when that I is not what is making the performance decisions during my several minutes of performance time? It's kind of scary to even withdraw myself for that time to let the performance happen. And then the expectation of trying to be this or that often becomes uh, very stressful for me because I don't necessarily consciously filter at all what I'm doing anymore. So it's kind of yeah. it's tough. It's tough.
1: I don't know, that's a that's a I feel like a gift to kind of be able to get in that mindset when you're up on stage and being able to um just let whatever it is take over and um there is a matter a per- of
3: discipline. I mean I'm teaching people very conventional techniques to trigger it on demand. It's a matter of accessing everyone's innate ability to manipulate our consciousness. All that ever changes is awareness deepens. So really for me the degree that performing live has become a very important spiritual practice is the degree it's led me to become more aware of my flow state or my trance. And that's the terrifying thing because it's so... Uh, even to me and my voice, as crazy sounding as someone saying trust Jesus when I talk about trusting my flow state. And then, you know, times like last night when I was actually thinking, okay, I've got to do something political, all this stuff happened this week. Uh, the impeachment uh, collided with a corrupt Russian pot Senate. There was uh, greater and greater global recognition of the flu. That's a pandemic in progress coming out of China. And, you know, of course, there was that disaster shit clusterfuck in Iowa on Monday night. Just a disaster at the Iowa caucuses. So I'm coming in last night thinking, oh, I've got a responsibility to do something political when I performed tonight, and then as the room is leaving, all I could feel was my responsibility to perform in a way that made people happy they had stayed to listen. You know, so it was a very weird dynamic because in that moment, I recognized people just weren't eager to have the heavy pill. And I was late in the set. It was a 9.30 set. So that's late for Bizarre Cafe. Um, everyone had mostly gone. There were three or four people after me, I think. And, you know, I I have to say, as a human being, I'm grateful to my trance because I shifted gears and went for what I think is my responsibility as a performer to try to deliver entertainment for a few minutes.
1: Yeah, so I I was going to ask you, because I know you're big on the open mics, and do you have any favorite artists that are out there right now?
3: Tons, tons. You're actually someone I admire a lot. I was both uh, surprised when we talked about your experience level at the beginning and reassured because you seem like someone who's been doing this all your life to certain degrees. Um, There are many people for many different reasons that I really enjoy performing. Sometimes it gets difficult to talk about people's performances when I know them well. So I've found it easier to try to keep certain levels of personal distance from people habitually in the scene. In terms of people I like lately, uh, there's some new people in the scene who've been doing really well, really quickly in the last four or five months, and I hope will develop. Um, There are people like Dewar, who you were playing earlier, who's been at this about a year longer, I think, than you have. He's been doing this since 2017. And he's a very satisfying performer to watch live. Um, I actually think the people who tend to have access to the trance the most. And all of us are evolving a common vocabulary to talk about this because it really wasn't talked about when i started doing it five years ago this open mic scene and now i think there's a great deal of recognition for instance chris from pizza dumpster or dumpster pizza whatever uh, probably is in the trance most of the time i've ever talked to him but hasn't really thought of it that way so he's an amazing performer a great improver and there again I'm finding it more and more important for me to see how people will play with other people, particularly me, live and improvisationally, because that's where I'm really finding a lot of exciting success and, and challenges personally and artistically. So, you, the people who are best improving are actually the people I love the most right now because I can go to them.
1: Nice. Have you ever heard of a band called King Willow?
3: Sure, they're wonderful.
1: Yeah, so I was going to play a song by them. um, For all the listeners, this is a band called uh, King Willow. Uh, They're out of San Francisco. Got a talented uh, team here. Uh, They actually played uh, with Dewar at this uh, Cafe du Nord as well. That was a great venue. And um, yeah, we are taking calls here. 805-869-8210. 805-869-8210. And this is a Band called King Willow, San Francisco, and this is a song called Your Band. One, two, three, four. You
4: don't want to talk to.
1: Find them on SoundCloud. Um, I don't know if they're on Spotify yet, but local band, local artists here. Um, back in the studio here, J.W. Blunt, the Candyman, and Trump Rabies. And uh, we are taking calls at 805-869-8210. And uh, we have Trump Rabies here. He's going to do a little, little skit here. It's going to be fun.
3: This is a piece called Letter to My Revolutionary Comrade. I thought I was burnin' for Bernie, turned out to be the chlamydia. If I told you I voted for Hillary, would that get rid of you? You say, it doesn't matter if we vote, you say, it's always the same boot on our throat, you say, you'd rather be dead than spend your life getting kicked in the head, you say, It's the barrel of the gun that decides who lives and who dies. You say, they're all two sides of the same coin that you want to spend. I say, that argument over money cost me my friend.
1: That's great. Yeah, so that that's what it is you're talking about. Like I feel like no matter what it is, I am a strong strong supporter of freedom of speech. And anybody out there that's listening and whoever you are, whatever you're doing, I am a strong supporter of freedom of speech. But what I've see though is when you express your freedom of speech, people have their opinions about it. And then you have an I mean and then it's like okay, that's cool that you have an opinion about what I'm doing, but I have an opinion of your opinion. And then people just get offended by it. I don't know what it is. People react. I feel like the only thing that you really, you have control of your emotions. I'm not talking about you, but in general, like people, you have control over that. And I, I find that, you know, um, gosh, last night I didn't, I'm not, I'm not really a big drinker, but I was hungry and um, I was at this pizza place. Uh, well, I can't think of it. It's right next to Casanova Lounge and the, the Mission. And it was just like the only pizza place that was open. And uh, I went out, and this guy—he was—I don't know—he I I borrowed, went to you know, ask him for a lighter, and he got his like, "Why do you don't have a lighter?" I was like, "That's so funny." Well, I was using the lighter at Bizarre Cafe earlier that day, but then I couldn't find it, and I was just like, "Hey, you know what? I don't have it. Do you, you you could just not let me borrow your lighter?" I don't, you know, and then he's like, "Oh wow, why are you so mad?" I'm like. I'm not mad. Is that your opinion that I'm mad? <laughs> I don't know. It's just super funny. I'm sitting there with a guitar, and uh, and this guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it's interesting, you know, because I feel like that's what it is, and the only way to really, for me personally, with my experience, if anyone is really challenging their audience out there as a person on the street, a performer, um, is that are you aware? Are you aware of your bias, your unconscious bias of what you're you're assuming that this person is mad? Um, But you don't you don't really know that, you know, uh, you you listen to this piece of music or you see this painting and you're offended by it and you don't know why.
4: Ultimately,
3: Um, the greatest ignorance is lack of self-awareness. Ironically enough, the bigot is not self-aware enough to check themselves to check the certainty of their beliefs in the moment they lack self-awareness necessary to exercise skepticism about your view of reality. So it's funny because we associate bigotry with ignorance of others, but ultimately it is an inability to be aware of oneself to the necessary degree required to be a better person than you were a few moments before.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, too, because I feel like no matter what it is, it's like you drink, you're an alcoholic. You don't drink and you, then you're bipolar. <laughs> if you if you smoke pot, then you're a pothead. And it's like I feel like no matter what it is, it's like you're so Everyone's kind of in that place where you're not mentally unstable, but you're not mentally stable. You're in this kind of place where it's it's you a prisoner
3: of a label. Yeah. In a city that's supposed to be, as you said, a place where you can be whatever you want to be, we're all still prisoners of the labels people imagine and then place on us in their own minds. It's just the way people work, unfortunately. Yeah. We create our biases and then we dig in on them. If we don't have enough self-awareness to check them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. So I came up with this philosophy. Uh-oh. uh And I told someone the other day and I was just like, it was really interesting because I remember I got into um, distributing coffee to offices when I was 23 or 24 years old. And there was somebody who was, you know, you know, I don't want to be ageist or anything, but he was much, he was much older than me. I mean, I was 23, 24, he was 70. Yeah, so it was quite a difference there. And so I can imagine, gosh, even now a 24 year old is... You know, I don't know. Actually, that's ageist. I don't know. I'm sure there's plenty of 24-year-olds that are really cool and pretty connected. Yeah, so that's what it is. It's like, are you aware of it? Are you aware that, you know, yeah, if somebody's younger than you or older than you, it shouldn't matter. But I would imagine somebody that's older than me would have more experience. But he had said with me is that there's no continuity in anything that I did. And that was his opinion. But then I was thinking there's no continuity in anything.
3: Yes. You know, it's just like, it's a constructed experience.
1: Yeah. So what I did is I kind of internalized all of this because I, I, um, I don't know. I never really expressed my emotions from a young age. Like I definitely had feelings, but I didn't like go out and like put it out there in the world. And so I internalized this. And the philosophy that I came up with is that people have a lot of opinions and opinions They aren't factual, and if they're not factual, they're not truthful, and I believe in name calling, but we all know what people who don't call the truth are, right?
3: Well, you Uh, say truth, and I think uh, truth is as advertised. I think if you tell people, this is my opinion, this is my opinion, this is my opinion, it's kind of redundant. Uh, I think you have to assume that everything is based in personal experience, and You have to assume that people are either acting in good faith, which means they think what they're saying is truthful, or not acting in good faith, which means they don't care. And bottom line, the intent is what matters. How someone is trying to conduct themselves in relationship to other human beings they interact with is what matters. Uh, We often talk about history being dictated by the winners, the future changes and really so does the past from the perspective of what our society is like what's real is right now and what matters is the decision we make about how we deal with how we feel and how other people feel in the moment because that is really the only thing we have control over we don't control how we feel other people don't control how they feel we get access to decision making about how to deal with those feelings in the moment if we're lucky if we're not, we're just doing everything out of one lifelong habit that we're really not evolved enough to change, and most importantly, not evolved enough to develop into an option set, which is where choice really begins.
1: Yeah, no, I feel like no matter what it is, and if it's art, if it's life, I've, I like to think life is an art form, but. Everything that's going on around us, it's compounded. It's not just one thing. And you see that, you know, and my dad, gosh, I feel like a lot of it has to do with the way you were raised, the education system you're you're brought up in. But a lot of times, gosh, you could be like the, um, go through the best public school or best private school system ever. And that, you know, I mean, you could be.
3: You could become a Stanford rapist
1: wow that's intense was a well therapist. i mean that's
3: the thing there's no guarantees from an upbringing of genetics of wealth of of education it is the individual's dedication to a pattern of self improvement in the way they relate to others and themselves that counts everything else just makes things worse in greater or lesser obvious degrees
1: yeah i know i mean you could also be you know Adop- you know, you'd be homeless or you'd be adopted and c- grow up to be like the, you know, the biggest thing ever. Uh, certainly. And so there's just, there's really no way of, uh, I find a lot of times too that someone's strength is also their weakness. So I, that's Often. why I try not to, I try to just accept people for who they are. Um What I would, gosh,
3: I feel like so real bit, challenge.
1: Yeah. And so. Which is because I feel like you live your life and everyone out there listening, like you lived your life and that's what you know, right? And so I'm kind of looking at it it's like, you know, the whole broken home thing. Oh, did your parents split up? Are they together? Um, and all this stuff that's going on. I don't know. My particular situation, I don't know what your situation was. My my parents uh, split when I was three years old. Wow. But my my dad didn't drink and my mom and dad didn't drink. Um, so I was raised in what they call, for lack of a better term, a broken home by two parents that didn't drink and got along. Which is, how do you explain that? I feel like, you know, having, um, being raised in kind of, like I said, I think you come up with a better term than broken home because that automatically has a negative thing. Agreed. Uh, a, um, a home that your parents basically had split. Um, a lot of times that could be negative. Like I've heard of a lot of um, people, they you know,
3: continue living together under the same roof.
1: No, no. So my, uh, it was actually great because my parents were young. So what, how it worked out with me was that when I hung out with dad, then my mom got to be a 20 something year old. And then when I hung out with mom, then my dad got to be a 20 something year old. So I actually think it ended up working out, but, um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Here we're sitting back at Mutiny radio. Yeah. <laughs>
3: It's 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 hard to
1: with a candy buffet. Yeah.
3: Well, yes, and, and thank you for this wonderful assortment of uh, tempting and delectable sweets. I I live off sugar, of course. Yeah. So, uh, well, would you expect that of someone named Trump? Rabies.
1: Yeah, you got to have something sweet. Gosh, I remember the <laughs> the whole thing with with Trump. Gosh, in two thousand sixteen. Oh, it's old news. <laughs> I was
3: at this. We're living it.
1: Brother. House. We're show. living it. I liked it. I call them house shows, but it was a like house party. And it was a really, you know, high energy rock and roll, like some punk bands playing. And somebody, I don't know if it was somebody that lived at the place or was, they did this illustration of Trump that had this kind of misfits thing about it. It was before he was talking about grabbing people by the Hello Kitty or anything. Yeah, so, I mean, that yeah. at that point, you know, obviously. But before that, um, seeing that picture, seeing this picture that this person recreated, it had this kind of like horror punk kind of thing about it um and then it just got too real um but uh i know that you were talking about gosh um chris mendoza from pizza dumpster so i actually do um i have them up here on uh SoundCloud. they're on spotify as well i was Excellent. gonna play one of their, one of their songs great uh, band
3: they they guessed it during my feature at neck of the woods in october
1: that's awesome yeah so we are taking calls here, 805-869-8210, 805-869-8210. It's just uh, J.W. Blunt and uh, Trump Bravey sitting back here at a candy buffet. Uh, this is um, Chris Mendoza for Pizza Dumpster, and this is a song called One or Two.
5: next to some drifting
1: mendoza pizza dumpster we are back here at Radio FM in the studio um hanging out with uh jw blunt here the candy man and trump rabies sitting back to a candy buffet and uh we're gonna jump into about flowing and i think like i mentioned i had mentioned someone before i was just like i'm curious what you say I, I feel like being a true artist is no different than being a true person and being able to flow and just being who you are. And it just, it all makes sense. You know, that's so, um, yeah. So I wanted, you were talking about flowing and your, your whole, I'd like to hear your philosophy on that.
3: For me, I became aware of it. Um, after about a year in this scene, like 2017, I was thinking a lot about, my experience in the moment of performing when it was working the I, the conscious mind that's composing this monologue on internet radio right now was an audience member in the moment, was sitting back was hearing and experiencing what my body was doing but not directing the words and other actions uh, the deeper and deeper I was in that experience, the better it seemed the performing experience was for my audiences. Um, that is a kind of thumbnail of my initiation to trance state awareness or flow state awareness. Everyone's got access to it. The degree that you're aware of it is the only thing that actually ever changes. Because with awareness, you can manipulate your consciousness and your state or level of consciousness at will so there's three steps a breathing exercise I call the complete breathing and then learning first one and then third a second new meditation technique they really can be any new meditation techniques you want I have two I like to recommend but the point is to learn the complete breath which is optimally in through your nose out through your mouth to the full physical stop each way that's a human self-hypnotic right. trigger.
1: I'm breathing through my nose.
3: As deeply as you can. Always slower, always longer. I've if you've got to do times. both yeah. through your mouth because you're congested, it's just less optimal. You can still get there. You're looking for the full physical stops both ways. And 98 to 99% of the people I do this with have never in their lives been aware that they've breathed into their complete physical limit Or exhale to complete physical limit. It's a very psychologically and physically disorienting thing. When you're doing it correctly, you're going to get very intoxicated from the oxygen for a very brief crack level moment. But that too can be quite scary so you should be sitting down or even better laying down when you practice this breathing technique it takes six months of daily practice to create a new habit this particular technique you will always need to think about in order to do because it brings you to such a powerfully suggestible state your body doesn't want you getting there out of habit or accidentally your body wants you putting yourself there on purpose you then use this breathing technique while you're learning the two new meditation techniques again you're looking for a physical sensation of bliss or serenity or trance as a signal the meditation's working pairing the complete breathing technique with it turns the complete breathing technique into an automatic trance state trigger
1: you got me at the physical sensation
3: It's it's very powerful because the oxygen really works. All you're really doing is cognitive biofeedback. You're using your thinking to create a biological response that's desired. So you're using your thinking to manipulate breath and increase oxygen to optimal levels by breathing into your physical limit. You're then using your thinking to create another chemical change by manipulating your breathing to expunge as much carbon dioxide as possible to the physical limit during your exhale. Mr. Blunt, you hold your breath all the fucking time. You hold your breath all the physical time. Physical sensation. I could count. I'm sorry, go ahead, please.
1: Yeah, no, so uh, I know that it, that physical sensation is where you got me.
3: It's, it's really the signal that something's happening in your body chemistry. That the label's... Are only important to the degree that body chemistry stuff is actually happening deliberately, because then you can figure out how to modulate the deliberate action and get different body chemistries, and then you're really kind of, learning to play.
1: I don't to I'm trying to think of what artists, you know, use this technique of breathing in through their nose. You think Sinatra did?
3: I don't know who does it besides the people teaching uh, some forms of singing breathing. Some forms of singing breathing get very close, but I've talked to teachers like Allison, and they're going for functional levels of breathing to support the singing goal. They're not going for optimal, complete intake of oxygen, physical limit of the ability to breathe in complete exhalation complete expunging of carbon dioxide physical limit of exhaling virtually no one talks about that and the power in it i've discovered over many years is that it really moves you to a self-hypnotic state you're in a moment where you are more subjectable to yourself and other people ironically it's also part of how you can hypnotize other people so as a performer being aware of how to use your breathing to further the illusion and magic of performance can be very useful in, in, in different senses than simply summoning the trance moment, which is what we started talking about. Yeah. You're bringing I mean, the your audience just feel, to trance in a way. I feel
1: like what it is and maybe, you know, like I said, you know what you're saying and it's your experience and your whole flowing and how you're able to get to that state. But for me and The way I describe it, it might be exactly what you're describing, Mm -hmm. is to find and to be and find that euphoria, that kind of euphoria, that place where you're just there. Yes. Like now. Yes.
3: I would say euphoria is the product of the successful Mm -hmm. work in that space because I see euphoria as a joyfulness, but the space I think we're both talking about is almost an absence of direct connectedness to experience because that exerts drag on the expression of experience. That interferes with the expression of experience.
1: Drag means a lot of things here.
3: Oh, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. But, I mean, getting to the point where you, where the person that's talking to me through this microphone is an audience member in your own mind during your performances, is avoiding that drag. So that's the thing. In a way, the more wrapped up you are in it, the less you're able to optimally affect the moment because that happens at very, very high speeds that this mind talking into your microphone can't operate at. But the flow mind can. We improv virtually every time I perform with musicians and pretty much every time. And when we're flowing together, everyone swears it seems like we've rehearsed because the improv decisions we're making are happening so much faster than the audience can process their visual or their audio of what's happening. And that's, you know, one of the many advantages of flowing. But you say euphoria, and for me, it's almost a suspension of experience from a conscious perspective. Almost. Almost certainly uh what's the sense that something is happening overwhelms any other physical sensation for me including euphoria the sense the momentum of the performance in progress of some great ship moving through my unconscious into the world from my mouth that's really what's happening the vibration of my unconscious being shaken by the birth of the performance moment that's really what i prefer to feel when i'm actually performing from a conscious perspective the more i'm aware of what's happening the more i'm aware of what i'm saying the more likely i am to get distracted by my experience of it yeah and perhaps even puncture the trance what were you going to say
1: no well i mean i'm totally on to what you're saying and i've you know and I know the listeners can probably so as an as an artist and somebody that creates art and being in my head when creating art, I am in this euphoric kind of place. Or I'm in this place where I feel like no one could. I'm just in this great place. And so there was this. Uh, there's this quote, um, and I kind of resolved it. It's Hendrix. Um, so he said music, but I like to think of music as art noise. So I like I couldn't I consider to me. I don't know. This is my own philosophy. Is that music is art, noise. It's art through the through the sound waves. And so Hendrix and I resolved it as, um, art doesn't lie. If there is something to be changed in this world, then it can only happen through art. <laughs> so Jimi Hendrix's original quote was music. Um, but I, I, I think... I don't know but then you know I was funny because I was at this um this art show last night um art attack it was this kind of underground thing and I brought the guitar and I was playing outside before I went to bazaar and um There was some guy and he was getting a Castro. Castro's my jam. People are happy in Castro. There's something that, you know what? I mean, we were at an art show, um, but there's something about single straight dive bars and just being around. (laughs) That is so depressing. Uh, So I was, I was in front of this art show. I wasn't in a bar. I was outside and this guy and I'm playing thrash metal on the acoustic guitar. It's like, oh, that sounds bluesy. I'm like, this is awesome, dude. Well, it's just like, no matter what it is, whether you're a, a painter or a poet, or a, I feel like you have your kind of your own unique thing. I feel like, yeah. Storyteller or, or, uh, is that everyone's always going to compare it to something, right? It's like, oh, that reminds me of this. This reminds me of that. And it was just so funny, but you know, um, I think it, I don't know if you ever got into uh, Dick Daly. He's the godfather, quote unquote. I know no one could see me doing the quote of um, surf rock. <laughs> yeah. So he's the godfather of surf rock. And I'm listening. It's like, so I'm thinking that, gosh, I remember hearing that. I feel like it sounds Latin to me. Well, I guess Mexico and and Central America have a lot of um, sand and beaches and there's probably some surfing going on. Um, but I feel like, as the artists and people just, they need to call it something. For whatever reason, they need to call it something.
3: And, you know, uh, it gives people a context for comprehension, for perception, it gives them cues. Being an ONS member is actually a learned, taught experience. So it cues them how they are supposed to be reacting to what they're experiencing. and And ultimately, as sad as that, Sounds. That's really kind of what makes it so hard to do stuff that's surprising, that sounds new, that that is not unfamiliar, that is not typical or predictable or conventional. People aren't prepared to be able to process it.
1: Yeah. So I feel. I mean, this is just kind of. I'm just you know looking at the history of 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 art and humans. Yeah. You know. Humans, gross. Just kidding. Um, but just thinking of just like the, you know, and I feel like it, it all, like we were mentioning, it's all compounded. There's all these other things that are happening around this that make it the explosion that it is. So I feel like, you know, rock and roll, in my opinion, I don't know, I was being sloppy and honest. Um, But rock and roll was something that was invented and then it all became theory later. later. So in my opinion, I don't know. And maybe some people would disagree, and some people was not. It's like punk, punk rock. Punk rock is a, to me, is a mutation of rock and roll. Agreed. And so that that came from that. And but they needed to call it something, right? Because if something new that was happening, they needed to call it something. And heavy metal and all that, and um, grunge. <laughs> Different it was rock flavors and roll.
3: of rebellion. Different flavors of rebellion.
1: People have to call it something.
3: It gives people a context. I
1: thought it you said it helps <laughs> people
3: understand themselves and each other to have shared language, or at least what's perceived as sharing. Uh, it's, it's really difficult to explain the kind of fantasy that develops where people feel they have intimacy with an artist or a piece of work. But I'm sure you experience it all the time, even in the open mic scene with audience members. I do all the time. Uh, the experience of the idea of what happened for them as an audience member shaping feelings they associate with the performer and they assume to be feelings they have about the person it's quite strange but common for me as a performer
1: yeah you know what it's so great because I've had you know conversations with folks so for me personally you know and just like artists in general like an artist has many pieces that they create but I, I find that, you know, even though you know, I do like, you know, the artist or the band or the painter or the poet, that there's certain pieces that they've created that I feel like I'm more gravitated towards. And so I realize that, that that's me looking outside of the box, but it's probably folks that maybe listen to this stuff that I create and they might like one song that i composed, but maybe don't really care for the rest and so for me and because anything out there i don't know i feels like to me that it it is kind of could be borderline narcissistic to like want everyone to like you i think maybe there's a little bit of that in everyone where you want
3: people to like you but isn't that human to want to be liked i don't know it's it's
1: interesting because i think for me and be curious, you know, other people out there calling as 805-869-8210, 805-869-8210, handing you know, on a candy buffet. Is I, that,
3: I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, so be curious to uh I don't I, I don't know. It's for me, I mean for me it was my my outlet. It was how because my emotions or whatnot, I kept to myself. It was me, it was my it was personal. It almost felt like creative music and writing, you know, making art was this self medication for me. So I did it because it, it helped me deal with whatever. And it wasn't, it sounds have to deal with something. It sounds negative, but not really. It was just, it's almost like there's photographers, right? You take pictures of something. I feel like the songs that I've written, um, that it captures the moment that I was in at that, that time. Um, but, you know, I, I, I find that, you know, other artists that there's some songs that I like more than the others. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, I feel like you got to kind of do it for you. And there's, a, you know, the Beatles even. There's people that don't like the Beatles. The
3: Beatles. Lots of people.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like, not everyone's going to like you. And that whether you're an artist or a person, no matter what you do, not everyone's going to like you. And so being able to to deal with that.
3: Well, I, I think even trying—I think you gotta really honor the trying. You gotta honor the effort. Uh, redemption should be available to everyone who's trying in good faith. You, you know what I mean? It's—it's it's the people who are not really trying. It's the people who are simply on some other agenda or just feeling entitled. That's kind of the definition of narcissism to me: feeling entitled to be liked. Uh, everyone is obligated to like you demanding expecting to be liked by everyone that's narcissism
1: yeah and there's a lot of folks and like I try not to stereotype anyone that could potentially be narcissist but not realize it like I don't know I yeah I
3: don't know that narcissists typically have enough self awareness to realize And if their ego is really damaged, will they allow themselves to recognize if they're capable of recognizing, will they allow themselves to recognize the problem? That's often the case too. They're willfully blind. That's part of the condition typically.
1: Yeah. And so I was mentioning earlier is that I feel like myself and everyone's pretty naive. You live your life and everyone's life is different. But I remember growing up as a kid thinking, Oh, everyone's just like me. And you know, that was a, that was a letdown. Not really. I mean, not in all cases. Um, but
3: The degree that people are both indifferent to human suffering and enjoy human suffering is continually disappointing to me, even though that's always been something quite clear in my life. I wish more people were repulsed by human suffering. that That's the main difference that distresses me about me and other people. Most people, not so much. Most people are either indifferent to the suffering of others, uh, or enjoy it outright. That's kind of the sad truth of the time we're living in. You have to buy off the people who are indifferent to keep the ones who like it in check. And I think, in ourselves, we all have the potential to be bad people, and part of that is interfering with other people's ability to choose, and part of that is enjoying other people's suffering. So, you know, there's there's a degree of power and a degree of uh sadism involved in evil. And being a good person should be supporting other people's self-empowerment, should be helping other people to comfort themselves and comfort others in their environment. Yeah,
1: so the, I feel like, you know, it's um you know, been given a lot of lemons. You know, made a lot of lemonade. Um, and I think that's the way to look at it is that you could twist it, make it something like you're saying evil. So, um, I think that if you were to put that right, if you had something like that and had a more of it in a song and, mm-hmm. or you know, a piece of art to make it a positive thing, well, well I thought it was brilliant and people were, you know, I don't know I've been in like really th- dirty thrash rock bands. Um, <laughs> but, um, so it's funny to make a reference to a pop artist like uh, Daniel Powers. He wrote a happy song about a bad day. And the contrast of that is great. So you said uh, something evil. And I remember actually I played this up, mic. You said that this you like this one. So I have a, um, a techno thrash version of it in the studio. And I'm about <laughs> to play this for you right now. I'm excited. Um, this is actually what evolved the idea for the show. So wig. Wag, what a wake is, it stands for wicked evil grin. <laughs> and so, okay. yeah, but it sounds like when you're singing or when you're saying it, when you're saying wake, it sounds like a wave or it sounds like way
3: or woke. Yeah. Or wake. Something like yeah. That. Something.
1: Yeah. So this is, um, this is the candy man here with, uh, Trump rabies here sitting back at a candy buffet. This is, um, my latest single. It's called the JW make a Wag show.
6: Ride the way to the other side. Ride the way to the other side. Playing my guitar like a brown eyed girl. Playing my guitar like a brown eyed girl. I'll be soft, I'll be gentle, I'll be sweet and sentimental. I'll string you up, I'll strap you down. I'll pick you up, and we'll come down to Chinatown. Ride the way to the other side, ride the way to the other side. I'm playing my guitar like a brown eyed girl. Playing my guitar like a brown eyed girl. I could ship to Mars and Yornis. We could walk up the street, pretend like we're famous You're down in the TL Down in the Tenderloin Tenderloin beach, ride the rather ride the wave. Ride away to the other side, ride away to the other side. I'm playing my guitar like a brown eyed girl, playing my guitar like a brown eyed girl. Ride away to the other side, ride away to the other side. I'm playing my guitar like a brown eyed girl, playing my guitar like a brown eyed girl. I saw I'll be gentle, I'll be sweet, sentimental I'll clean you up, I'll plug you in I'll get you off my kombucha medicine rather away to the other side rather away to the other side I'm playing my guitar like a brown-eyed girl I'm playing my guitar like a brown-eyed girl rather away to the other side rather away to the other side I'm playing my guitar like a brown-eyed girl I'm playing my guitar like a brown-eyed girl
1: in the studio here mutinyradio.fm D Hill Trump Rabies sitting back here at a uh, candy buffet and we are winding down the show here and so yeah I mean there's just uh, there's so many exciting things happening here and I like to you could say you know it's poetry uh, comedy um art I think that's a way to do it
3: have you seen me perform the Trump rabies piece JW no. I just assume people have I've done it more than 600 times live there was a point in the beginning for about the first 18 months where I did it during every performance it was at least one of the pieces I did every time I got to perform live so people You know, I'm complaining about Bizarre Cafe last night. People would scream. I was physically attacked several times while performing Trump rabies. So if I could have your permission, I'd love to do that on the way out.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I don't know. You're talking about getting physically attacked. Not
3: get physically attacked. Well, I don't know. I mean,
1: like, I think a lot of people out there want to get physically attacked Uh, right now. I don't
3: want to get into people's kinks or sex life, but uh, uh, in terms of getting an audience reaction, may I have your permission to do a last piece before we wrap up the show? I can do it in three minutes or less.
1: Yeah, that's that's what she said. Yeah, go for it.
3: (laughs) So this is why my act is called Trump Rabies. This piece, which I call Trump Rabies... I thought I had all the answers and then life raped me of all the questions. Or how I stopped worrying and learned to love. Ah Fuhrer, Donald Trump. Donald Trump hire me as your sex apprentice. Don't betray our love for politics turd showbiz who cares how high the rent putin pays on your booty is i wanna give birth to trump babies wanna itch with trump brand scabies i'm running crazy in the streets with trump political rabies oh donald take me away from rabble ignore the erotic undertones of your babble because you speak a tortured ideological scrabble, will the media mangle and grope and grapple? Listening to you is like hearing Adam eat the apple, spraying juice all over himself like mango snapple. Don't build a wall between your heart and mine, you Republican queen. I promise, me raping you is just a dream. It's true, I do want to immigrate into you, you sexy man. Don't worry, I'm 100% not Mexican, so please whip that thing out again. Hillary Clinton, she should be prosecuted, not elected. Oh, but Donald Trump, I want to finger and stroke that dead yellow animal and entombed on his head while we lie in the walled-off Astoria Presidential Suites' bed. When Congress hears of our passionate thrills, I'm sure they'll have Goldman Sachs pay our room service bills. Oh, Trump's politics are heinous, oh, and his policies pain us, but I want Trump's maniacal rhetoric shoved up my anus. It won't hurt for long. Less than a decade of Donald Trump At most eight years of realized Donald Trump fears. So, I'm pasting Trump campaign posters up on my sugar walls. I'm grinding to elect Donald Trump president of my genitals. Oh Donald, fuck us in your fits of fascism. Piss on us with your wit and your wisdom. Choke us with your words until we're sick. Oh Donald Trump, you suck. So why not my dick? That was Trump rabies. That was That's great. That's why someone tried to kill me on a bus in San Francisco in May of 2017 because of a performance of that piece. Wow! Literally, can imagine. I've survived an assassination attempt because of performance of that poem.
1: Wow! So, uh, where could um, where could the listeners and everyone find you next?
3: Uh, well, always they can Google Trump rabies or. Put in a YouTube search and find dozens of my videos. This particular piece has about 5,000 views in a DIY spoken word version from March 2016 and a an hysterical version called Trump Rape is Unplugged from August 2016. And there are dozens and dozens of videos up there of me performing. I'm often at Bazaar Cafe on Thursdays and Neck of the Woods on Wednesdays, and I tend to do monthlies uh, several times a month as well.
1: Nice. Great. And well, thank you all for tuning in and listening. Um, I was telling, um, I think I told Trump rabies earlier on the show is that I was in this really high energy thrash rock band. When I came back from San Luis Obispo at the time, I didn't feel comfortable uh, being the leads in my career to be a lead singer of a band called 10 sack. Uh, so um, now that I'm a little bit more comfortable in my career and, and what I'm doing, uh,
3: you're ready for the 10 sec.
1: Yeah. So I am going to play you, uh, this song. This was recorded in 2013 guitarist in the band. Um, Robbie, Rob Kimsky recorded this, uh, album. It was mastered by this jazz artist, um, which is interesting. Uh, but, uh, instrumental, it's all about instrumental. That's what, you know, punk rock is all about, right? Yeah, so this song is called Battle Scars, and we will catch you next week, um, 4 o'clock Friday.
0: That's what I'm saying. It's the joke workshop Mondays, six to eight p.m. at the Mutant Radius.
5: Yahoo. Four oh, ninety-nine. <laughs>
7: Radio listener, it's that time of year again. March 1st through 5th, it's time for the fourth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Over 40 comics, 25 shows, five days, all here at Mutiny Radio 2781 21st Street at Florida Street. 25 shows, five days. Amazing comics from all over the United States here in San Francisco to entertain you
2: is this about that vr house you keep bugging me for what if it is i told you i can't afford the bitcoin goodbye
8: jack
0: are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts are ye on a raft without a pattern well gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship Mutiny FM has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs>
9: Asiento. Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant
0: you should listen to Muni Radio at muniradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things.
7: Subliminal SF Visual and Auditory Mind Control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF
2: What you gonna do?
8: Yeah you're fearless. I know it. Thanks for listening to women's magazine here on mutiny radio. FM. I'm global Val. That was some music from Pamela Parker. You can check out what she's up to at Pamela Parker rocks.com. Um, but we're here today. Today is Friday, March 1st. It's actually the first day of women's History month. So, uh, what better way to kick off than have, uh, have someone, uh, the women's voice, uh, tell her stories. Um, so my, my guest today is Bernice Yi. Am I saying that right? Bernice?
10: Yay? Uh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's like a yes.
8: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Bernice is in town. She is one of the visiting comedians, um, who applied to be part of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, which is starting today. So we are kicking it off on, on women's magazine really, because women should always come first.
10: Ooh, I agree. <laughs>
8: so Bernice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're visiting from Seattle right mm-hmm. the Seattle area is that mm-hmm. where you
10: yes yes I live in Seattle now uh, I have been living there for 12 years yeah
8: but you're originally from China
10: I am so I am made in China <laughs> Made in
8: China <laughs> So you kind of talk about how you you know kind of escaped and now you're uh, what I want to hear a little bit of your story of uh, you know how how would you how would you decide I need to I need to get out of China and, and go to the, the United States
10: Uh huh. Because um so I say escape is not like I was a criminal, so. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quotes in, yeah
8: quote unquote escape is more of a joke, right? Yeah. yeah. But I
10: was definitely a rebel. Um, I think um living in China, like I got into not trouble but in a way that it just like everybody is in your face trying to tell you what to what to do um and uh i think once i got exposure um to america i have always see. oh i want to be there i want to go there so a lot of time people ask me why do you come here? oh my god you came here by yourself your parents your family are all in america um at the time when I came here, I I just like, this is a dream. I did not miss my family. Um, good. My family didn't understand English, so they would never know this. I said that. <laughs> but I think it's in a way that I just want to be at a place to be who I am, to say what I want to say. Um, yeah, that's kind of what drove me to come here. That's really cool. Um, that And it is,
8: it takes a lot of bravery to just say, see ya. Like, I'm going to go try this and try to make a new life for myself. Like it's, it's really takes a lot. And, um, you you, you also write and contribute to this, uh, kind of online magazine group, which we'll talk about a little more later called mm-hmm. the syndrome. And so I read your recent article about, you know, like basically having to be really sneaky with your boyfriends, even in, even in college, right? Yeah.
10: Even in college.
8: <laughs> so, so has the, uh, being uh, deceptive, uh, how, how's that helped in your comedy? <laughs>
10: <laughs> so, um, just to kind of set a context of the deceptive or what s- sneaky means. So even in college, like it's okay that you have a boyfriend, but you don't really let people see any public display affection, right? So like kissing, uh-uh, no, you don't. like, And it kind of is an unspoken rule that you don't have sex. For some reason, I don't know, nobody says you cannot, but then like if you do, it's a big gossip. Uh, like topic and so um, and we don't have any privacy so in the dorm room okay so in our studio right now it's bigger than a dorm room where six of us lived oh my gosh <laughs> we live in bunk beds and we're like a whole bunch of adults right um, and then like so that's the small space and if and then they lock the dorm room Every night at 9 p.m., and they shut the lights off. That's like prison. Wow.
8: Well, yeah. Yeah. Because you're shut in and you're shut out. Yeah. Right? And so it was
10: the most uh, prestigious uh, university in, in China. It's not like a like kind of like a prison university, it's actually one of the best uh, universities. Um, so at that time, if you don't go back by 9 p.m., where are you? Mm-hmm. And gossip starts, and just a lot of social pressure. Um, so the sneaky has to, you have to find ways. Uh, You have to plan ahead. You may have to make a hotel reservation, but you (laughs) cannot make under, like, if I make a hotel reservation, it's too um, suspicious. Mm. (laughs) So you have to find an an excuse. You have to set expectations with your roommates saying, oh, my parents are in town. Or, like, you have to work hard. If I kind of, oh, I have to work at the lab all night, couldn't come back. But you must have a deadline that you set let everybody know already you can't just all of a sudden have a deadline oh yeah
8: (laughs) it takes a lot of planning to
10: to plan a lie yeah (laughs) (laughs) so
8: so is that like comedy it takes
10: Um, (laughs) in a way I think it's more about when I create a situation Mm. um like maybe there's exaggeration maybe it's it's a fictional but I have to make it believable Mm -hmm. I have to kind of like okay this actually fits into my personality fits into my um you know like something I would do it's not out of character
8: oh interesting (laughs) it's subtle and smart
10: (laughs) yeah but then like you know like it's not true so um and you want to make people wonder yeah that sounds about right (laughs) (laughs) so so when how did you decide that you wanted to
8: be a comedian and do stand-up like how, and, and also like how did you develop your sense of humor like have you always like just had the sense of humor and been funny or uh, wh- wh- how did that kind of develop for you
10: funny that you asked that because um, I invited one girlfriend that I have been friends with like 10 years and then like she came to my show and she said oh my god Bernice you know five years ago you told me I'm a very serious person I'm not funny <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, so in a way it's like it's not I never th- I never thought about become a comedian yeah. um, but I watch so much like Netflix well actually back off a little bit I started watching Netflix specials when I wash my face at nighttime. Um, but it takes so long to wash my face that I watch so many Netflix comedy specials and then I realize that's how I think too because I realize comedians they have they have a different perspective they have a different point of view and for me, I'm an outsider, you know, whether when I was in China or when i in- here, I always feel like I have a different perspective because of my experience. So I know in the shower, I'm always thinking about all these funny, wacky thoughts <laughs> from my experience. Um, but I just didn't think about I can be one because English is not my first language. Um, to even be funny in the second language, I just felt like that's so hard. Um, but not until I saw Ellie Wong's First baby cobra special, and all of a sudden it's say, like, oh my god, the, the things she thinks is funny, that's things I think about. And then all of a sudden you do see somebody's more like you. You know, it's not a bunch of you know white guys talking about dick jokes,
8: right? Because <laughs> there's a lot of that, right? Yeah.
10: <laughs> <laughs> so to me, it's all of a sudden I want to be like that i actually want i have a voice i want to be heard um so um i just last year made a new year's resolution that you know what i'm just do, going to um do one open mic by the end of the year Um, And then I signed up for a comedy class, uh, did a graduation show. I love it and keep on doing open mic and people ask me to be on their shows. And wow, people want to hear about my story and my my jokes and my sense of humor. Yeah. So you've only
8: done comedy, like actively done comedy for about a year now? Yeah. Right on. (laughs) And here you are in San Francisco. You applied to be part of the comedy festival. Pam Benjamin, you know, is like yeah let's have Bernice a. she's oh my great God. <laughs> um, so that that's like another like amazing success story right thank
10: you yeah and I think about it just incredible I'm so grateful uh, for the opportunity and also in a way that also I keep telling myself um, 15 years ago when I came I don't I didn't speak English Whoa. I didn't I didn't know how to order a sandwich from subway
8: Wow <laughs> yeah that's amazing too like so I, I i teach english as a second language that's that's my day job you know <laughs> here on mutiny radio you know this is this is my 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 fun my passion you know to talk to people and be inspired and, and hear people's voices and stories but you know so i teach english so i know how hard it is to I mean, English itself is a really hard language, and mm-hmm. there's so many little things, little nuances and expressions. So how did you learn English?
10: <laughs> um, so I guess there's um it's funny because um when I came, i we learned little English, um, like in school in high school, and what they taught us is British English, but of course, it's taught by a Chinese teacher. So basically is, British pronunciation with Chinese accent.
8: What does that sound like?
10: Uh, um, looking forward to meet you. I, I cannot really do it quite right, but you know, like you've evolved past that. Yeah, and then there's like I would say tomato or how do you do um, some basic phrases. Um, and then the funny thing is in a, so oh. When I first came here, I went to Purdue for um, graduate school to study computer science. Okay. Um, so in the school there are inter- other international students. I remember I went to this like international student like dance party, and there's this English guy, and you know when I say tomato, and it's like, oh my god, where did you come from? And <laughs> so I think you know I kind of I instantly clicked, and I you know I um, so we actually started dating. Uh, so I think having somebody who speak English um, that clicked with you and then like we speak more English that definitely helped Um, but also the funny thing is because I had a roommate she was Chinese we were from the same hometown but because our everyone's dietary needs they don't
11: 1946, Paris. In the reception room of that palace on the right bank of the river, a hale and hearty journalist heckled for a quarter of an hour a thin man with deep marks of suffering and privation on his face who had in front of him a small vase of pink roses. Round about were nearly 100 reporters and observers from all countries. Mr. President, you are a communist, aren't you? Yes, the man replied today. Have you been in the resistance? Ladies and yes. gentlemen, Angelo How Alimenti. long? About 40 years. Have you been in prison too? It was clear what the journalist was driving at. Yes. What prison? Many, sir. Long? The thin man looked at the hale and hearty journalist with a faint smile and said, in prison, time is always long, you know. The reply given in French was prompt, clear, and unexpected. Was it said as a reproach, as irony, or as humor? What is certain is that at that instant, Frenchmen, Englishmen, and Americans in the room were astonished to notice that the goatee bearded scholar could smile in Paris or in London as well as in Hanoi. It was the unscrutable smile of a wise man whose vision stretched far beyond today. Have you any further questions, journalist? In prison, Time is always long. Ho Chi Minh. Prison Diary. Arrested at Tukvin Street. Abundance and Glory Street. At Abundance and Glory Street, shame was thrust on me so as to delay my journey. I am an honest man with a clear conscience, but I was accused, without ground, of being a spy entering Sing Si District Prison. Old inmates of the jail welcome new prisoners. In the sky, white clouds are chasing the black ones away. White clouds and black have drifted out of our sight. On Earth, free people are huddled into the jail. Hard is the road of life. Having climbed over steep mountains and high peaks, how should I expect on the plains to meet greater danger? In the mountains, I met the tiger and come out unscathed. On the plains, I encountered men and was thrown into prison. I was a representative of Vietnam on my way to China to meet an important personage. On the quiet road, a sudden storm broke loose and I was thrust into jail as an honored guest. I am a straightforward man with no crime on my conscience, but I was accused of being a spy for China. So life, you see, is never a very smooth business. And now the present bristles with difficulties. Morning. Every morning the sun emerging over awake, everyone starts on the hunt for lice. At eight o'clock, the gong sounds for the morning meal. Come on, let's go and eat to our heart's content. For all we have suffered, there must be good times coming. Noon. In the cell, how lovely it is to have a siesta. For hours, we're carried away in sound sleep. I dream of riding a dragon up into heaven. Waking, I'm brought abruptly back into prison. Afternoon. Two o'clock, the cell door opens to let fresh air. in. Everyone raises his head for a look at the sky. Free spirits haunting the sky of liberty. Do you know your own kind are of languishing in prison? and meals at every meal only one bowl of red rice without vegetables without salt and even no broth to go with it those who get food brought into them can sometimes eat their fill but without help from outside the jail we groan with hunger the Gruel Inn at the side of the road in the shade of a big tree a thatched hut serves as an inn for passing travelers. But there's no wine for the guests of this institution. The menu is just cold rice gruel and white salt.
9: Or if you can't be with us, listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at www.mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st to 7th for these amazing events.
4: What
11: kind of a future?